Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Of course, we're talking about Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> it has not changed yet. Um, and we're going to be coming out of Matthew 6, 25 and 34. And then uh, we're going to briefly be there. And then we're actually going to go to, um, I think it's 2 Kings. Uh, but yeah, so Matthew 20, so Matthew 25. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And it reads, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his statue? 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today, which is today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, Do not worry. I think he wants us not to worry. (laughs) What shall we eat? Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For all of these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will... For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So last time we uh, we talked, we spoke, which was last month. Uh, we were talking about uh, two treasures, two visions, and two masters. And your heart, the title of that message was "Your Heart Was on the Line." And so we talked about how the Lord requires us to be dedicated to Him. We can't have our heart uh, torn between the world and him we have to be we can't be lukewarm he'll spit us out either be on one side or the other but don't don't try to straddle the fence isn't there a song that says that some straddle the fence no, anyway um <laughs> so yeah so and 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 in many of these messages of in the sermon on the mount which i've preached they've been about the heart you know they've looked at a heart issue what is your heart what is your heart after so if your treasure is in heaven or is your treasure on earth? And your, your heart will dictate where your, your treasure is. And sometimes your action will dictate where. And we can look at your life and see where your treasure is based off what you spend time doing. Uh, so it's a heart issue. And so, so is worrying. Worrying is a heart issue. Uh, the definition of worry is to be anxious, uh, to be careful for. Uh, in the Greek it says a part as opposed to a whole. And it specifically says to be torn to pieces because you're pulled apart in two different directions, like the force exerted by sinful anxiety. So worrying is actually you're being torn apart. Uh, you're, you're, and when you worry, that is what you're, you don't know what you're, you're here, there, everywhere, because you're so worried about so many different things that we can worry about. Uh, to be anxious, to be troubled with cares. Uh, the Lord warns his disciples not to, not that of foresight, which is merely 
to provide for your future. So in this, we're not worrying about, uh, it's not, he's not telling us not to provide for our futures, not to do things that set yourself up to live a peaceful life. You know, if you budget your money carefully and put save money aside, he's not saying not to do that. He's saying worrying unnecessarily to where it enables you to focus on today. So you're so anxious and you're so worried about tomorrow, you can't work, you can't focus on what you have to do today. And you can't focus on what God is calling you to do in this moment. What Christ forbid is not the thought of foresight and care of prudent men providing for their sustenance and need for support for themselves or those who depended on him. But it is the anxious care that arises from lack of faith in God's providence. God is offended <laughs> when we worry because he we are saying he can't take care of us. The God who created you, you are now telling him you can't take care of me. So now I must worry about the things that you tell me not to worry about and that you will take care of. Uh, it is a it, it is a gross and sinful thought that we know better than God. But sometimes we think we do know better than God on a daily basis. We think we know better than God and we lead our lives as if we know better than God. But God says you don't know better. Than him. <laughs> uh, Philippians 4, 6 says be anxious for some things. For a few things. For important things. Nothing for the people that I show but inside, I'm still worried about some things. That's what it says, right? That's the interpretation. No, it says be anxious for nothing. <laughs> not your children, your grandchildren, not your cousins, your nieces, your mama, your daddy, your clothing, what you will eat, what you will drink, nothing. Where you will work <laughs> or lack thereof, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. Life is more important than food and body and clothes. So we look at the birds. He says, you know, see the fowls of the air. They have no anxiety or worry about what they will eat or drink. Uh, they fill the air with music and they greet us in the morning and sing songs and beautiful melodies. Uh, they do not reap. They do not sow. And yet they are fed. So God wants us to be like the birds or like, oh, and be that your heavenly father feeds them. Are they not much more valuable than uh, are you not much more valuable than they? Uh, Psalms 145, 15, 16 says, for the eyes of all look expectantly to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hands to satisfy the desires of every live, every living thing. That includes you if you're living, breathing, <laughs> you're living, and he will satisfy your desires. He feeds us. He is the source. Your worrying doesn't change a thing. And then he gives us the example, says, look at the flowers. God clothes the, clothes the grass of the field, and we cut that down on a regular basis. <laughs> grass cutting season is quickly upon us. <laughs> Some of us will cut down some beautiful flowers in the process of cutting down grass. Uh, and we think nothing of it. <laughs> it's no big deal. They'll grow back tomorrow. And so he clothed the grass. How much more 
will he clothe you. Uh, Psalms 127, 1 and 2 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the labor is in vain. The, uh, labor in, unless the Lord builds the house, the labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, worrying, to sit up late, worrying, and to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. He gives us rest who trust in him. Proverbs 10:22 says the blessings of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. That's a good word for young people, old people and all those in between. Uh, <laughs> but definitely uh, sometimes we can uh, gather material things uh, that may appear to make us rich, but they add lots of sorrows. <laughs> a new car is great that first month until you have your car payment. Uh, then the sorrow begins. Uh, some people have mortgages for 15, 20, 30 years, and they can't wait till that sorrow is over with. Um, but God blesses us and adds no sorrow to his blessings. We can look. He will give us provision for what he uh, gives us and grants us because he is the source. Worrying, worry is not uh, combat- compatible with faith. You can't worry and have faith. You're going to do one or the other. It's like straddling, straddling the fence. You can't say, oh, I'm going to worry, but I have great faith. Just, no, you can't. You can't do it. <laughs> anxiety and anxiety about food and clothing in particular calls into question God's provision and care for our lives. And it's sin. It manifests a lack of faith in his wise and gracious providence. For us, the Christians, it betrays the doubt of our father's love for us. We don't believe he loves us because he's not taking care of us, we think. God has forbidden us from laying up treasures on earth and has warned against making money our God. So you might say, I don't have any money. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> well, here we are, Christ warning against about being poor or lack of food or clothing. Because we don't have to have a lot of money to worry about. A lot of things. Distrustful and distracting care about supplies or temporal needs is a sign that the heart is fixed on earthly things. We are distracted by these temporal things here, then we can't focus on the eternal things that God has and wants us to be working on. Like winning lost souls. (laughs) We get so distracted by, you know, what they have on versus their soul and their heart source and resource so we're going to look at uh elijah and the widow let's turn to um excuse me Kings, second kings eight it says eight through i think we're going to go down to 16 yeah so elijah and the widow it says then the word of the lord came to him saying arise go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. God is true to his word. He said, there we find a widow. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her. He called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread. In your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. 
And see, I was I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Don't worry. <laughs> go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And when I just reading this as I read it over again this morning, it's like, man, Elijah seems so um, disconnected from. Her response, because she said, I'm going to fix myself some food and die. And he says, go and do that, but bring my food first, right? <laughs> it's like, come on, acknowledge that she was, like, suffering, you know? But in that, oh, sometimes God will do that to me. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I can, uh, you know, say, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling here. And he, he does not acknowledge my struggle. He says, do what I ask you to do. It's like, come on, man, you know? <laughs> Uh, but doing what he asked me to do is, is the, the blessing is in that. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. For thus says the Lord of God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word, word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. It's a good word, y'all. God's provision, even in our desperate time, uh, God has a way of providing for us. And so when you think about this, again, we're talking about, uh, and the title is Jehovah Jireh. I did not um, say that in the beginning, I don't think. Uh, Jehovah Jireh. God is our provider. Uh, So when we look at this message, um, my question, first question is, why does God allow us to be in a position of lack? You know, so we're talking about not worrying. But we worry sometimes because we're in a position of lack. We don't have. I don't have some clothes. I don't have food. You know, so why does God even allow that? Um, one uh, way, one thing that he allowed, one reason that he may, he may allow that is uh, we can be idolatrous and we can abandon God for other gods. <laughs> Treating God as a resource and not the source. If God is your source then everything else is a resource. That means this is a vehicle for him to provide for you. So your job is not your source. It's a resource. Your side hustle is not your source. It's a resource. <laughs> uh, your contacts are not your source. It's a resource. God is my source. And so when my resources run out or this resource ends, I don't look to that resource. I look to God. But we become idolaters because we think our resources are sources. And so we worship our jobs. We worship our contacts. We depend and have faith on those things and not God. And so that's why we become so distraught when we lose a job. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? I don't have a job. Hey, God is my source. He knew He knew <laughs> from the foundations of the earth something. this may happen. So, hey, God got me. I'm going to do what I need to do. Uh, but God is my source and, and uh, not my resource. So we abandon God for other gods. And sometimes in abandoning God for other gods, God says, go to your other God (laughs) and see what it would do for you. (laughs) You worship your job. You worship this money. You worship your clout. You worship your contacts. See that God will do for you. Go to that God. Uh, He sometimes he gives us in the leaves us in the position of lack or provision is lacking because he's testing us. Or he's trying us. Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 5 says, And you shall remember the Lord your God led you away 
these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know that what know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allow you to be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, uh, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that the man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord. And your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your feet swell these 40 years. And I just got hold of that when I read this. Like, man, their feet didn't swell. That's that's some keeping power right there, man. <laughs> you walking for 40 years and your feet and ankles don't swell up. God is a keeper, I tell you what. <laughs> you should know in your heart that the man ch- that that a man chastens his son, so the Lord God chastens you. So he says here, you know, he he tests and tried them. They were they were at the point of being hungry because he wanted to test them and to humble them. So it was testing and humbling. Uh, and then also God wants us sometimes allows us to have lack of provision because he wants us to have a deeper understanding of who he is in our lives. Second Corinthians one, eight through 10 says, um, we do not know what you to be. We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even life. They were, they were uh, suffering unto death. Yes, we had a sentence of death in, ourself, in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Paul was the man. <laughs> he said, we were suffering unto death so that God could show us to not trust in ourselves, but to believe that he can raise the dead. So that meant that even if I died and I knew that my assignment wasn't done, I believe God can raise me up. That's good stuff, (laughs) y'all. Can we be like Paul? (laughs) That we trust God so much that even at the point of death, we realize that it's not about me and not about what I did wrong. It's not about this over here. It is about God making me realize, a de- getting me a deeper relationship and knowledge of him to trust him even unto death. That even in that, he has the victory. Because all things work together. Uh, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. And that's verse 10 of Second Corinthians 1, 8 through 10. Sometimes we have lack because of our own consequences. We made bad decisions. <laughs> we have to live with them. I'm, I'm scanning because my daughter's not in here so I could talk about her. I don't think she'll look at the video. <laughs> uh, but your, your children uh, definitely can, um, you know, you try to teach them not to make the mistakes that you may, may have made when you were younger. And many of you who were uh, in college, and she's not even in school, but, um, you know, they, I went to NC State, and so when I was in school, and this was many years ago, um, <laughs> uh, they had credit card companies booths all over campus. I see some heads shaking. They wanted you to get a credit card. You didn't have to have a job. They wanted to give you a credit card. Who does that, right? You know, and you're 18 and 19, and you're like, hey, I can get this free money. You know, what am I going to do with this free money? And we 
fell for it. You know, hook, line, and sinker. They give you a credit card. And it seems exciting at first, and you realize, I don't have any money to pay these people when they start to <laughs> require that money of me. And so uh, you go down that road of, you know, trying to recover from that when you're younger. Um, and so those are consequences of my own bad decisions. That's not, I chose to get the free T-shirt or the pizza that they were giving out so they can entice me to get this card, and I signed my name, and they gave me that card, and I spent that money however way I choose, and now they're requiring it of me, and I can't say, well, Lord, it's your fault. <laughs> He's looking at me, come on, bro, you know, you did this. I told you not to. Um, and so, yeah, consequences of your own ashes can uh, lead you to be in lack. And so, therefore, that's why when I was younger, uh, I ate a lot of oodles and noodles and uh, ramen noodles. I can't stand now, though, y'all. <laughs> I will not. I have to be real desperate, Lord. <laughs> I have to be real low to eat some ramen now, boy. <laughs> you see me eating ramen. God is doing a work in me. Cause <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's the only thing you can buy, like, 10 for a dollar, right? <laughs> that tells you something about it. It ain't all that good. <laughs> but when you're young and foolish, hey, that's what you had to eat. Um, yeah, another foolish thing, so I, I got an apartment off campus. Oh, why did I do that? <laughs> you live, you know, you're, you know, young and dumb, yeah. So I was like, man, I didn't know what bills were until you get an apartment <laughs> for other people who don't know what bills are either. And then y'all all are struggling and eating more ramen and Lord help us. Um, consequences of your own actions, so. That's why sometimes you have, you're in lack. But you must be willing to do some things. Um, but God is our provider. Jehovah Jireh, he will provide. And it says will because he's just not providing now, but he will provide in the future as well. Uh, so looking at this story in Kings, looking at uh, the life of Elijah and what he was doing with this widow, uh, one, Elijah had to be willing uh, are we willing to be obedient? So it says, arise and go. So Elijah did not have a prayer meeting. He did not take two weeks to figure out what the Lord wanted him to do. The Lord said, arise and go, and there will be provision for you. God will provide for you. So we have to be obedient. We have to be willing to trust God and his word and what he says when he says it. So are you willing to be obedient? Are you willing to be uncomfortable? So Elijah was told to go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. So this was an idolatrous place. This was like uh, they were Baal worshippers. So this wasn't a place uh, comfortable for Christians. So Elijah knew that might have been a dangerous place for him, or he wouldn't be well-liked, or his message wouldn't be received well, because that was a, a center of Baal worship. And so are you willing to be uncomfortable in your quest for God's provision in your life? Sometimes he will require things of you uh, before he gives you what that provision. We'll talk about that. Are, are you willing to obey God's word and sacrifice what you have to get what God has for you? Are you willing to obey God's word to sacrifice what you have to get what God has for you? So now that widow had a morsel of uh, flour and some oil and she was going to make a little cake and, you know, that was going to be it. But Elijah said, give me mine first. 
and then you can have yours. Are you willing for God to say, give me mine first? And then, you know, we're going to see what the outcome would be. Because God, God said, you know, give me mine first. And Elijah did not say, you know, uh, that you know, he didn't give all the details of what would happen. But he said, listen to me. You do what is required of you first. And so many times that's what God requires of us. You know, we may be in a situation that God says, do what I want you to do first. And we trust him in his word that there's provision after that. And he will provide. Proverbs 11:25: the generous soul will make you rich. And he who waters will also water, be watered himself. So you got to water first to be watered. Luke 6, 38 said, give and it will be given to you. What do you got to do first? Give. <laughs> and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run over will be put in your bosom for the same measure that you use. It will be measured back to you. So you got to give, and then it will be given to you. So sometimes it requires some things of you. And are you willing to be obey and sacrifice what you have to give to get God's blessings for you? God sometimes requires a response of faith in the very area that you have need. God sometimes requires a response of faith in the very area you have need or where you're lacking. So sometimes it may be monetarily. Sometimes it may be time. Sometimes it may be, um, it could be a lot of different things. (laughs) But God may require that of you. So in Genesis 22, 8, what did God require of Abraham, his son? It was promised to him. He said, my son, God, will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So Abraham was told by God to go sacrifice his son. And Abraham, being obedient, was going to do that. That was the promised child, right? This was promised to me. My only son, uh, Isaac, you want me to sacrifice him. And he didn't have a pity party. He didn't throw a tantrum. He didn't fall out on the ground. At least he didn't say that. Maybe he did in, in, in his home somewhere but um but no he said i'm going to be obedient and give back what god is requiring of me and so he was willing to sacrifice his son and, and in verse 12 it says and he said do not lay your hand on the lad an angel of the lord came and said don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for now i know that you fear god since you have not withheld your son your only son from me so he was obedient and because of his willingness to do what God told him to do, God, the angel of the Lord stopped him and said, all right, that's it. Don't do that. Because I know now that you're willing to withhold nothing from me if I require it of you. And then verse 14, Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. And it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Jehovah Jireh is not the Lord did provide, but the Lord will provide. And he is our provision past, present, and future. And I anticipate that he will continue to provide for us. This also refers to a hill called Calvary, where God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Abraham's faith fulfills statement that God himself will provide the lamb. That is the companion to John the Baptist's exclamation that, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So God uh, looked at that moment and said, even though Isaac will not be sacrificed, I will sacrifice my son for mankind, that you guys will experience salvation. Jehovah Jireh provided a sacrifice that saved Isaac 
and the actions was foreshadowing of the provision of salvation for the world. Are you willing also to put God first? Make me a small cake from this first, the man of God said. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you're worried about, the clothing, the food, the drink, these temporal things on earth that I know you have need of, I will add them to you. Your heavenly father will provide for you. Just seek me first. So many times we want the provision without the seeking. Romans 8, 31, 32 says, but what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall we not with him? Also freely get how shall we how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So if he will, if God is willing, we talked about this uh, yesterday uh, in our leadership meeting. If God is willing to sacrifice his own son for us. How in the world is he not going to give you these temple things in the world? I'm willing to allow my son to die for you. Isn't that the ultimate thing? So everything else is below that. Everything else is, why would he not be concerned? Why would he not feed you? Why would he not uh, let you have a resource in your job or allow you to have these resources? Why would you be concerned about that? Because the God I know sacrificed his son for me. So everything else, that's nothing. That's that's no big deal, right? (laughs) You know, if I'm, well, I'm willing to let my son die for you, I, I think I'll be able to let, let you eat a little food and put <laughs> your figure, right? <laughs> or I, I'll make sure you have some clothes on your back. I'll make sure you have some resources. Philippians 4:19 says, And my God shall supply some of your needs. <laughs> a little bit, the ones I'm concerned about. No, all of your needs, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All of our needs are met in him. He's our he's our source. God is not just a resource, but he's the source from which all needs are met. And when we begin to realize that um, you don't have to worry. When you get it in your head and in your heart that God is my source. Then why would you worry? God The God of the universe is my source. He has limitless everything. Why would I worry about anything when that's my God? He's the one I worship. He's the one I serve. He's the one that I'm putting first. He's the one that I'm seeking after. And when I'm doing that, there is no worry about anything because he is providing. Uh, worry is unproductive for us. Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about your future. Every day has enough trouble in its own, of its own. Lamentations three twenty two twenty three. It says, "Cast out, cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you." First Peter five and six. So why do we worry? 
because we lack faith in Jehovah Jireh, right? <laughs> and that makes sense. We lack faith in the God that provides. <laughs> therefore, take therefore, and so Barnes uh, notes in the Bible, and I'm just going to read this and I'll close. It says, take therefore no thought, that is, no anxiety, commit your way to God. The evil, the trouble, the anxiety of each day as it comes is sufficient without perplexing the mind with restless cares about another day. It is wholly uncertain whether you will live or see another day. <laughs> you don't even know if you want to see that day. <laughs> if you do, it will be it will bring its own troubles and it will also bring the proper supply of your needs. God will be the same father then as today and he will make then as he does now, proper provision for your wants and your needs. The morrow shall take thought. The morrow will have anxieties and cares of its own, but it will also bring the proper provision for those cares. Though you will have needs, yet God will provide for them as they occur. Do not therefore increase your cares of today by borrowing trouble from tomorrow. I like that. Don't increase your cares for today by borrowing trouble from tomorrow. Why would we do that, y'all? Do your duty faithfully now and depend on the mercy of God, and his divine help for the troubles which are yet to come. You know, troubles can be numerous, but we're not going to worry about them because we serve Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. He is our ultimate source in which all other things flow from. And if we can get that and nothing else is that he is a source and everything else is a resource, a vehicle for which he uses. So my dependency is on him, not my job. My dependency is on him and not my retirement account. Uh, my retirement account is connected to the stock market, and that is so unsure. <laughs> but... When my retirement account is in him, which is sure, then I, I know I'll be okay. He was going to take care of me. Now, let's stand to our feet. Close. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.